0: Our scripture is from John chapter two, verses thirteen to twenty-two. As we continue our study through the Gospel of John, if you would please stand for the reading of the scripture. John chapter two and verse thirteen. The Passover, of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changer sitting there, and making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal, for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, And they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again we thank you for your word. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would speak to us, that we would see your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, high and lifted up. We would hear his voice and know him and follow him. Lord, you have numbered the hairs of our head. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you are able to meet with each of us where we are and tell us exactly what we need to hear. And so we pray that you would speak to us as only you can in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, for his sake, amen. Be seated, please. Jesus, the true temple. Now, John has already hinted that Jesus would meet with resistance. Jesus, you remember, the true light which gives light to everyone came into the world and the darkness did not overcome the light. But there is going to be a struggle. The darkness will try to snuff out the light. And in this passage we see Jesus begin to shine his light into the darkness. Now when we say we're being kept, in the dark, we mean that information is being withheld from us. Now to say I'm completely in the dark means I don't know anything about what's going on. And when John talks about darkness, he's talking about ignorance of God. Not knowing about God and not knowing God. To know God is to have eternal life. And not to know him is to be completely in the dark. And Jesus, the light of the world, came into the world to make the invisible God known to a dark and ignorant world. So where does Jesus first confront the darkness, the ignorance of God. Does he head off to the east to Asia or perhaps across the Mediterranean all the way to Spain or perhaps to North Africa or even Rome, the seat of pagan polytheism and emperor worship? No. Look at verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to the temple went up to Jerusalem in the temple. Right there. Three things about where Jesus first confronts the darkness. It's the Passover, the highest holy religious day of the Jews. It's in Jerusalem, the holy capital city of true religion. And it's in the temple. The holy seat, Ground zero of the worship of the one true God. The holiest place. The holiest city. The holiest time of year. If ever there were a time, a place, and a people who should have been enlightened about God, it was right there. And yet, what we find there, what Jesus found there, was darkness. But in the midst of the darkness there at the temple, we also find Jesus. The light of the world has come. Now let's watch Jesus shine his light into the darkness. First, in this passage, you see why Jesus cleansed the temple. Why he cleansed it. Look at verse 14. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Now there's nothing wrong with any of those things and, and of themselves. Why were they selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons? For offerings, of course, sheep and oxen for sacrifices, pigeons for the purification of women, poor women like the Blessed Virgin Mary who we read offered two young pigeons when she brought the baby Jesus to the temple. And there were other offerings with pigeons in the law of Moses. Now, this was the time of the Passover. Everyone was flooding into Jerusalem from all over to observe the the holiday. Jews from all over the world were converging on Jerusalem, thousands of them. Now, think about it. It would be difficult for everyone to bring along all the animals they would need for sacrifices. And by that time, many were not farmers. So how are they going to make their offerings to the Lord? The offerings they are required to make. Well, somebody's going to have to sell them sheep, oxen, and pigeons. So the problem was not that animals were being sold. Nor was the problem that they were being sold. If someone had felt extremely generous and set up a booth giving away sacrificial animals that would not have been acceptable to God. No shepherd could have afforded to do that in the first place, but for another thing, there is a principle in Scripture articulated by King David who said, I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. God doesn't accept free sacrifice. Cheap sacrifices. Either offer the lamb without blemish, you raised, you fed, and you invested in, or else one you bought and paid for. But you cannot offer to God something that didn't cost you. So there was nothing wrong with selling the sacrificial lamb. That wasn't a problem, and John here does not say anything about the rates being exorbitant, so that's not the problem either. Well, what about the money changers that Jesus ran out? Well, the Jews were required by the law of Moses to pay an annual temple tax, a half shekel per man, and when they came to Jerusalem from all over for the Passover, they had to convert their money to local currency to pay the tax. Temple officials wanted to tax paid in Tyrian coins. They had the highest silver content. Now, half shekel, which was what the law of Moses required every man to pay, half shekel, or rather, uh, two half shekels equaled one Tyrian coin. There wasn't a half denomination in the Tyrian coinage. And so frequently, two Jews would come together, exchange their money, and pay the tax, one tire coin, together. But again, there was nothing wrong with changing money in the temple. It had to be done. The tax had to be paid, and it had to be converted to local currency. So why do we read here that Jesus made a whip of cords and drove out the sheep and oxen and money changers. He poured out the coins and overturned the tables and told the sellers of pigeons to get out of the temple. It was not because they were selling animals, not because they were exchanging the money. So why? Why did Jesus cleanse the temple? Look at the first three words of verse 14 in the temple now look at the end of verse 16 do not make my father's house a house of trade the problem was not what they were doing the problem was all in the location they were doing it in the temple now what was wrong with that Simple matter of logistics. It was blocking people from getting in to worship God. You know, there were Gentiles who worshipped the true God of Israel. But Gentiles were only permitted by law to enter the outer court of the temple. That's where the thousands of oxen, Sheep and pigeons were sold, and that's where the currency exchange was set up, there in the outer court where the Gentiles were to worship. And so the Gentiles had no place where they could come and worship God. Now you remember when King Solomon had the original temple built when he dedicated? You remember he prayed that that foreigners, that Gentiles would come to the temple in Jerusalem and pray to the Lord, Jehovah God of Israel, with outstretched arms and that God would hear them and answer them and all the nations would know that he was the one true God and that it was his temple. But that was not happening in Jesus' day, for the simple reason that the Gentiles could not get in because the court was full of sheep, oxen, pigeons, and a currency exchange. Now let's carry it a little farther. What was the purpose of the sacrifice? In the Old Testament system, why'd you bring a sacrifice? Why'd these people need to buy sheep, oxen, and pigeons in the first place? It was to gain access to God. The sacrifice was the way in to the presence of God. You see, there's an obstruction that keeps us out of the happy and holy presence of God, it's called sin disobedience, willfulness, stubbornness, whatever you want to call it, it's sin. We don't do what God wants us to do. We're not what He wants us to be. And it has separated us From God. Our sin obstructs us from coming into his presence to glorify and enjoy him forever. And God, in his great mercy, gave the sacrifice in order to do away with the obstruction of sin and open the way into his presence. That's why they had the oxen, sheep, and pigeons. To make the sacrifice, to do away with the sin that caused the obstruction and get into worship God. And so what Jesus found there in the temple was that the very thing, you understand this, the very thing that was supposed to clear away, The great obstruction. The animal sacrifice. It had itself become the great obstruction. These animals, these sacrifices, they weren't getting anyone into the presence of God. They were only blocking people from coming into the presence of God. And that's why Jesus cleansed the temple that day. You see why Jesus cleansed the temple. Secondly, in this passage, you see that Jesus is a true temple. Look at verse 18. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? Now, temple authorities, they see Jesus come in and run the the sellers of animals, the currency exchangers out, and they want an explanation. Who do you think you are to do this? They asked Jesus for a sign. Give us some sign. What? What evidence do you give that you have authority to do this? And Jesus tells them what the sign will be. Destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. Of course, they have no idea what he's talking about. They said it's taken 46 years to build this temple. You remember the original temple, Solomon's temple, had been destroyed by the Babylonians, and then later when the exiles, returns, Aruba will rebuild the temple. But it wasn't much by comparison. You know, it, it says that when the foundation of the new temple was laid, that the people who were old enough to remember Solomon's temple, the first temple, they wept when they saw it. It was so little by comparison. But then the great king, Herod the Great, had reconstructed the new temple. And it took even longer than the 46 years to this point here in John chapter 2, but so far they had been working on the temple, on fixing it back up 46 years, and they weren't done yet. How could Jesus then claim to rebuild the thing in three days? Look at verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. Now turn back to page to John chapter 1, look at verse 14. John 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see that? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. It literally says that he tabernacled among us. You remember before the the first temple was ever built, they they had a tabernacle. It was it was mobile. It was a tent was set up, and they would set up the tabernacle complex as they uh, moved uh, through the wilderness to the promised land. Then later it was set up uh, at Shiloh, and then finally the permanent temple was built in Jerusalem. But the tabernacle was the same thing as the as the temple before the. Nice structure was built. It says that Jesus, the Word, was made flesh and he tabernacled among us. What was the function of the temple and before that, the tabernacle? It was where God dwelt with his people, it was the place of his presence where his glory was made known to his people. Where was the ultimate manifestation of the presence of God with his people? In the flesh of Jesus Christ, the word was made flesh and dwelt. He tabernacled among us and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God became flesh and dwelt among us. And through that flesh we have seen the glory of God. And the temple also served as a place of sacrifice. Why they were selling animals there in the first place. They would gotten out of control temple, a place of sacrifice where people could come, have their sin atoned, forgiven by the sacrifice, come into the presence of God. Where was the true sacrifice made? John 1.29, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. You see, when the Jews asked Jesus, what sign do you show for doing this, cleansing the temple? They were asking to see his credentials. Show us your credentials. What gives you the right to come in here and make such a scene in the temple? And Jesus, in effect, says to them, These are my credentials. This is my authority. I ought to know how the temple is supposed to work because I am the temple. Now, when did John... Figure this out. He didn't understand it then. Look at verse twenty-two. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Why did the resurrection make it clear? They didn't understand that Jesus was talking about the temple that he himself was the temple until he had raised, had risen from the grave. Why? Because of the three days. That's what Jesus said. Destroy this temple. Three days later, I will raise it back up. Jesus' body was destroyed. Three days later, he rose. They put it together with the three days and realized, oh, he's talking about his body. He's the real temple. Now, let's go back to last week's message for a moment. Yes, the second reference to three days here in John chapter 2. Go back to verse 1, John 2, 1. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And you remember that at the wedding, they ran out of wine, and Jesus did do the miracle, turning the water to wine, and... After they filled up the six stone jars of Jewish ceremonies, Jesus then provided new wine, the best wine at the last. On the third day, once the Jewish ceremonies were fulfilled, Jesus provided something new and far better than they'd ever experienced before. And so now, on the third day, after Jesus had fulfilled all the Jewish ceremonies and sacrifices as the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, Jesus replaced the temple. The far superior temple had come. Why was the veil of the temple torn from top to bottom when Jesus died? Because God the Father reached down and desecrated it to say this building is now obsolete. Jesus is our true temple. His flesh is where God dwells with us. His flesh was the true sacrifice once and for all for the sins of this people. So you see why Jesus cleansed the temple. You see that Jesus is the true temple. But there's one last thing we don't want to miss. Thirdly and finally, you see the passion of Jesus. The passion of Jesus. Look at verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The disciples understood Jesus' cleansing of the temple to be a fulfillment of this passage here quoted from the Old Testament. It was written, Psalm 69, 9. Zeal for your house will consume me or has consumed me or eaten me up. These are words of King David, suffering for his faithfulness to the Lord. And he says in his prayer to the Lord, zeal for your house, my passion for you. Your true worship, it has consumed me. And when the disciples saw Jesus cleanse the temple, and as they reflected on it, they realized how much more this was true for Jesus than it had been for David, who would originally said the words. So we see in this episode how passionate Jesus was. For the true worship is Father. But there's more. I call this the passion of Jesus because the word passion lends itself to a double meaning. You know, it's interesting, uh, it says there in verse 17, His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Then at the end of verse 22, it says disciples realized about him being a temple after he'd risen from the dead. So they figured out a lot of things after Jesus died and was raised. You see, there in Jerusalem that day, Jesus was consumed with zeal, with passion for his father's house when he cleansed that temple. But exactly three years later in Jerusalem at another Passover Jesus would absolutely literally be consumed with zeal for his father's house It was his zeal that finally consumed him Or we could say it was that passion that finally led to his passion? In other words, this was why he died. His zeal for the temple, his father's house, what was that? Why did he run the animals and money changers out? And why did he finally die? To get rid of every obstruction that would stand between you and God the Father. This is the passion that consumed the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his passion to get you into the presence of his Father and to Bulldoze anything that would come between you and Him. This is what Jesus Christ literally is all about getting you to the Father. That's why He died. Now, What stands between you and God right now? What sin that you think is too great for you to come into the presence of God? What bitterness or resentment that's eating you up? What independence that you don't want to relinquish? What? Arrogance. What's obstructing you from coming to God? You know, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to block you from coming to God because zeal for his father's house Consume Jesus. The Lamb of God has been slain. And the new temple has been raised up. In Jesus Christ, there is no obstruction left. will you come to him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.